The Audio Ballads present Citizen Pain, Episode Two. We wanted to watch the funeral parade go by. Parade? Huh? See that old dog cart over the way? Four of his friends are gonna load the coffin on that and drive him up to New Rochelle. What say we follow the cortege anyhow? It's a twenty-mile walk. Yes. But it's a walk with history. To pass the journey, I'll tell you the story of Tom Paine's life. We nearly there yet? Nearly there? Why we've barely begun? It's just my boots is chafing. Recall that the young Paine had run away to sea and beheld firsthand the destructive folly of war between nation and nation. Should have stayed at home making women's foundation garments. Next thing that happens is he makes landfall in London, anxious to broaden his education. Well, young Master Paine, here is your share of the treasure, some thirty pounds. Hurry off, then, and run amuck in the fresh pots of London, and we'll see you back here when it's all been spent. The natural bent of my mind was to science. Globes, Mr Ferguson. Mm, what's that, Mr Martin? As soon as I was able. Globes, pair of globes. I purchased a pair of globes. I beg your pardon, Mr Martin. The young gentleman wishes to make a purchase, Mr Ferguson. Globes, two in number, one terrestrial, one celestial. Has he the depth of pocket required, Mr Martin? A globe is not to be had for mere pennies. Slightly disembarked from a privateer, Mr Ferguson, prize money in hand. And with a mind to spend it on scientific apparatus, Mr. Martin, rather than debauchery and crapulence. Seems so, Mr. Ferguson. Well, it's not every young man as is anxious to get his hands on a pair of globes. Is he staying for the lecture, Mr. Martin? Don't know, Mr. Ferguson. I'll ask him. Uh, will you be staying for the lecture, Master Payne? I then attended the philosophical lectures of Martin and Ferguson. Hadn't thought of it, Mr. Ferguson, but happy to give it a try. Good, Mr. Martin. Is he familiar with the work of that titan of natural philosophy, Sir Isaac Newton? Familiar with Newton? Heard of him, Mr Ferguson, but not well versed in the matter. Then he shall learn, Mr Martin, from our sequence of lectures, how the great man, the genius of the age, brings to light in the first two parts of his Principia Mathematica the three founding laws of motion. Indeed, Mr Ferguson, it is all so very elegantly and profoundly simple. You see... Nothing moves. In the world, nothing moves till the force acts. On a body a force acts To accelerate inversely to mass Newton proves And all doubt he removes In these two tracts Armed with merely these few facts One can calculate all the tracks Of the spheres celestial The wane and wax Of the tides terrestrial Any fall of any ball at all Newton knows and with fluxions he shows a reaction Follows every action Which it's equal but opposite to Then he goes and hits it bang on the nose With refraction and universal attraction And due to gravity so the powers Which might at first seem oracular They are ours How sublime, how spectacular And us poor clods against the odds Gods 
Let us attempt to turn a page of history The light of the mind must shine and banish mystery Every notion has its season Ours must be an age of reason Hearken to the music of the spheres he will begin to appreciate, Mr. Martin, that all of creation can be likened to a vast clockwork engine wound up and set into motion by the Almighty. Tick-tock, 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 Indeed, Mr. Ferguson, proceeding always in accordance with the axiomatic laws uncovered by Newton. Certainly, Mr. Martin. Uncovered by Newton through meticulous and heedful observation of the natural world, but imagined, devised and placed into being by the divine geometer himself. As these laws of effect and of cause are unerring, we are justly inferring that they are immutable truths. So no flaws look that might give us pause, nothing blurring. That which we're averring Which is what we learn, we must learn Through observation empirical and we must spurn Every myth, every miracle when all you trust Has turned to dust, adjust let us attempt to turn a page of history The light of the mind must shine and banish mystery Every notion has its season Ours must be an age of reason So the divine geometer wills First lectures Tuesday, two guineas Ah, and who is this I spy? None other than Mr Benjamin Franklin Mr. Franklin resides in London as representative of the Colonial Assembly of Philadelphia in the Americas. He is famed for his investigations into the nature of the electrical fluid. Mr. Franklin, always a pleasure. Ferguson, Martin, good day to ye. And who may this young fellow be? A master pain, just off a ship. A neophyte scholar, sir. One about to embark on the great voyage of discovery we know as natural philosophy. Signing up for the lectures, eh? Well, there'll be none of the high-table niceties of the university, will there, Ferguson? Aye, there'll be no passing of the port wine, that's for certain. And your fellow scholars will be plain folk like yourself, but none the worse for that, eh, Martin? Salt of the earth, Mr Franklin, salt of the earth. But if you can grasp the scientific principles these men can teach you, then you'll be as good as any begowned dandy stuffed full of Latin and Greek. Not that this tired old country will take heed of it. Young men such as you might look to the colonies. Room to grow, that's what you need, room to grow. Now, gentlemen, you are anxious to show me progress on your project of work. Ah, yes, our new clock. Tick-tock, eh, Mr Martin? Quite so, Mr Ferguson. Run along then, Master Payne. Oh, and it's five guineas for the globes. Capacity as supervisor in the Hexize service, I have visited the said Thomas Paine and found him to be in a good state of health, not subject to bad personal habits, free from debts, of good ability in handwriting and reckoning, and a baptised and confirmed member of the Church of England. I see no impediment to his appointment as a officer in the Hexhouse. He was at sea, was he not? Some four years since, sir. Seems he tires of his trade as a stays maker and wishes to better himself. Very well. Arranged for him to be instructed in the gauging of casks and the keeping of records. Now, pain. 
You must take the oath of supremacy. The oath of supremacy? Come now, lad, it's just to swear that King George is our rightful king and no man may depose him or arm at all of his head. Repeat after me. I, Thomas Paine... I, Thomas Paine... ...do utterly testify and declare in my conscience... ...do utterly testify and declare in my conscience... ...that the King's Highness is the only supreme governor of this realm... ...the King's Highness is the only supreme governor of this realm... These are the rooms we can offer you as lodgings, Mr Paine. No, no foreign prince, person, prelate, state or potentate... And that no foreign prince, person, prelate, state or potentate... Not the lap of luxury, but comfortable enough, I hope you'll agree. Have or ought to have any jurisdiction, power, superiority, preeminence or authority, ecclesiastical or spiritual, within this realm... There'll always be clean linen and good plain food. Have or ought to have any jurisdiction, power, superiority, preeminence or authority, ecclesiastical... It's just me and Father. Here we run the tobacconist shop and, and let these rooms. I do utterly renounce and forsake all foreign jurisdictions, powers. You say you're to be excise officer. That won't make you popular with everyone. Preeminences, privileges, and authorities granted or belonging to the king's highnesses, heirs or successors, or united or annexed to the. Ah oh, well, imperial. if it's science and books and all that that interests you, then you've come to the right town. Lewis is full of great readers and talkers. Well, I hope you'll be happy here, Mister Payne. So help me God. Welcome to the excise service, Payne. Make sure you serve us well. Now father's dead, Mr Payne, I was wondering if you'd given any thought to whether you'd be staying on here. An outride officer in the excise under the name of £50 a year receives for himself no more than one shilling and ninepence farthing a day. I know your wages from the excise don't amount to much. To point out particularly the impossibility of an excise officer supporting himself and family with any proper degree of credit and reputation on so scanty a pittance is altogether unnecessary. And the Lord knows himself... This shop is no gold mine. Most poor mechanics, or even common labourers, will frequently earn more than the daily pay of an excise officer. But if you were to see your way to maybe helping out in the management of affairs, then I... we could see an improvement in trade. A single man may barely live. Working together, Mr Payne. Thomas? But it is not the design of the Honourable Board of Excise to impose a state of celibacy. Indeed not. And why should it be? Thomas Paine, this parish bachelor, and Elizabeth Olive of the same spinster were married in this church this 26th day of March in the year 1771. The time limited for an admission into the excise employment is between 21 and 30 years of age, the very flower of life. Again tonight, Thomas. You are out at your debating society, or what you will, and yet there is a want of stock-taking and making order out of our affairs. But no, always it is the proposing and the seconding and the setting the world to rights. Gentlemen, I call this meeting of the Headstrong Club to order. Hold on, let's get some ales in first. Every other hope and consideration is then given up, and the chance of establishing themselves in any other business becomes in a few years not only lost to them, but they become lost to it. Now, if you please, gentlemen, for our next proposition, I call upon the very champion of the Headstrong Club, Thomas Payne Esquire. So, pay, my good fellow, what stormy polemics have you to confront us with tonight, eh? As it may be said, why do the excise officers complain they are not pressed into the service and may relinquish it when they please? 
If they can man themselves, why don't they? Alas, what a mockery of pity would it be to give such an answer to an honest, faithful old officer in the excise who had spent the prime of his life in the service and was become unfit for anything else. Oh, so it is to be the case for the exciseman. So be it. Let's hear the argument. It's strong, Tom. Take the chair, sir. Show your flair for rhetoric. Such a plum. I declare, sir, as this club's arbitrator, Sussex has no greater debater. That's undebatable, tell us then. Your horror stories of the Tories give them stick once again. Your horror is quotable and quick. What joy to meet each week to roister and jeer. A little argument, some oysters and beer. Now, earn your bread, weave, wind and dine. You speak your mind to heed these calls and all that's said. Let me remind you, stays within these walls. No man enters into excise with any higher expectations than a competent maintenance, but not to find even that can produce nothing but corruption, collusion and neglect. He speaks true, I'll say that. The lightning's aren't to find issue with his thoughts on this as any other time. The rich, in ease and affluence, may think I have drawn an unnatural portrait. But could they descend in the cold regions of want, the circle of polar poverty, they would find their opinions changing with the climate. He hits upon a thing there. The plain hypocrisy of the wealthy. There is a striking difference between dishonesty arising from want of food and want of principle. Nature never produced a man who would starve in a well-stored larder because the provisions were not his own. Dear, here. Now there's plain sense if ever I heard Simple it. as this subject may appear at first, it is a matter in my humble opinion not unworthy of parliamentary attention. Aye, well, would it were possible... A design among the excise officers throughout the kingdom is on foot for a humble application to Parliament next session to have the state of their salaries taken into consideration. Oh, no careful there, Tom. You don't want to be putting your name to no petition. That's one thing making an argument. <laughs> Which you never fail to do. There are some cases so singularly reasonable that the more they are considered, the more weight they obtain. Aye, nevertheless... Oh, woe beside you, Master Payne, if you think that the Parliament of England has amenable to plain logic and right-minded morality as a gathering of this headstrong club of ours. <laughs> it's strong, Tom. Have a care, man, who'll be there, man, when you trip, take it from... The men who care, man, your righteous passion is not the fashion. Ration it and be rational, don't waste ink on petitions. Politicians heed the whip. Try to think like wise tacticians. You self-censorship. Amongst friends, reformist talk is all very well. But put to Parliament, it plays merry hell. So, be they mean, accept your wages, save your rages for these nights. 
Don't fit spleen on printed pages Shouting out for rights Are you mad, Thomas Paine? Do you think the Parliament of England can have its heart warmed and its head turned like that communion of soft-headed topers over at the White Hart? What? What's this? Who? Thomas Paine? Paine? And so you declare that you are to abandon all here, home, hearth, wife and business, on a fool's errand to London. For what? To put the case for better wages to an assemblage of old rich men, all from the gentry, put there by the gentry, for to do the bidding of the gentry, all made fat on pheasant and claret wine. Uh, Yes, what now? Hmm? What is it to be, young sir? Is there some business you have here? You might just as readily go through to the parlour and read your petition to the cat, in French. You'll get a fairer hearing and save the fare into the bargain. The officers of the excise throughout the kingdom have, as the voice of one man, prepared petitions to be laid before the Honourable House of Commons on the ensuing Parliament. For the love of God, Thomas, use your head. Parliament will see you off with a wave of its mighty hand and you'll be at the mercy of the excise for your continued employment. Already they resent you for your agitations over money and wages. Petitions, is it? Petitions for what, sir, may I ask? An outright officer in the excise, under the name of £50 a year, receives for himself no more than one shilling and ninepence farthing a day. Paltry as it is, we need your excise salary, or we could lose all. Thomas, we have a home here. We keep our own household. How many in this land yearn for such a situation in life? Why can we not just be happy with that, you and I? Let the world turn as it will, for all your petitioning. Imagine, sir, if these halls were to be haunted by every disgruntled hireling pressing for better pay. We shall not be able to move for the throng. No man enters into excise with any higher expectations than a competent maintenance, but not even to find that can produce nothing but corruption, collusion and neglect. I do despair thee, Thomas Paine. Go back to Sussex, Mr Paine. That is my advice to you. Go home and work hard to please your employer. That way you may improve your circumstances in God's good time. Good day to you. Good day, good day. So you're back then. Tail between your legs. Letter for you. Friday, 8th of April. Thomas Paine, officer of Lewis Fourth Outride Sussex Collection, having quitted his business without obtaining the board's leave for so doing, it is ordered that he be discharged. What am I offered for this fine tobacco and snuff mill? Comes all together with the utensils for the cutting of tobacco and the grinding of snuff. Oh, Tom, what can I say but that I'm grieved to see our matters have fallen out? The Edstrong Club will be all the poorer for the absence of your society. T'will never be the same again, that's a certainty. Mrs Payne will attain it hard, no doubt. Very hard for a woman, these reversals of fortune. Hard, how God be with you, Tom, but I've a mind to make a bid on your old horse. So you have found me, Thomas? Continually surrounded with griefs and fears. Women more than share all our miseries, 
and are besides subjected to ills which are peculiarly their own. I'm sorry, but I haven't the stomach to stand by and see the particulars of our home sold for pennies to our neighbours. Even in countries where they may be esteemed most happy, constrained in their desires and the disposal of their goods, robbed of freedom of will by the laws... Came by here with those few bits I managed to keep back from the auctioneer. Some scraps of lace work, quite fine, really, but worn and faded. Twas my mother's, a few bits of plate. Tis damaged, so would not fetch a lot, the auction men told me, but it holds memories. I thought I'd use this old pine box. Pack it all in there. Not a pretty box, but it has a key, you see, and, and it locks. It'll be a private place. I'll have no other private quarters staying with my brother at Cranbrook. into this looking box All else gone All else sold A little piece of home In lieu of peace at home Poor substitute Private cries Private quarters None I've just this looking box Foisted Slaves of opinion, which rules them with absolute sway and construes the slightest appearances into guilt, surrounded on all sides by judges. Yet, such, I am sorry to say, is the lot of women over the whole earth. Man, with regard to them, in all climates and in all ages, has been either an insensible husband or an oppressor. When they are not beloved, they are nothing, and when they are, they are tormented. I have almost equal cause to be afraid of indifference and of love. Going once, going twice, sold to the gentleman in the tricorn hat. Oh, Thomas, 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 I cannot but say that I did warn thee. It's strong, Tom. Have a care, man, who'll be there, man, when you trip. Take it from the men who care, man. Your righteous passion is not the fashion. Ration, it and be rational. Don't waste ink on petitions. Politicians eat the whip. Try to think like wise tacticians. You self-censorship. Amongst friends, reformist talk is all very well. But put to parliament and blaze merry hell. 
So, be the mean, accept your wages, save your rages for these nights. Don't think spleen on printed pages, shouting out for rights. So, Mr. Payne, things haven't quite panned out as you'd hoped since last we met. Uh, Dr. Franklin? I seem to recollect I advised you then to think on the colonies as a suitable setting for your future endeavours. Still, wise men don't need advice and fools won't take it, but it's not too late, I think. True, you're no longer a young man, but who was it who said, when you're finished changing, you're finished? Well, it was me, as a matter of fact— Early to bed, early to rise, makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. That's another one of mine. Anyhow, let's not bother ourselves about all that. Why don't I pen you a letter of introduction? I'm sure a position can be found for you as a clerk or as an assistant tutor in a school by which you might procure a subsistence until... Well, until you find your way as... Well, Mr. Payne, how do you intend to find your way? This, uh... This here petition to Parliament, is this the start of something? Hmm? You know what they say. If you would not be forgotten as soon as you were dead, either write something worth reading or do things worth writing. Me again. You'll find men's ears more open to this manner of thinking in the American colonies. The stultifying hand of the English nobility is much diffused by the time it has reached over that great ocean. A man may stand or fall on his own innate merits. Does that sound like a proposition to your liking, young Mr. Payne? I'm glad to hear it, sir. Glad to hear it. Now, you know the wise aphorism, never leave till tomorrow what you can do today. Another of my own, by happenstance. Now, let us consult the list of sailings. There now, well done is better than well said, as they say. Although it was I that said it first. When a schoolboy to pick up a pleasing natural history of Virginia, and my inclination from that day of seeing the western side of the Atlantic never left me. Ah, wait until you catch your first sight of Delaware Bay, Thomas. You'll see stretching before you a land that dwarfs this cramped little island. A continent of mighty rivers, majestic lakes, vast sweeping plains, luscious farmland, and fine, elegant cities growing every day and peopled with men and women fired with the desire and capability to build an America that will render Britain a mere province. You can be a part of that story, Thomas Paine. The 
old world is corrupt, complacent, weighted down by pomp and past. There's another new and nascent, pin your colors to her mast. Why not set that wheel in motion, chase the life that could be yours. Cross that span of broiling ocean, tread upon those glistening shores with tempests alarming and doldrums becoming. The passage west is fraught, but think what might betide you should providence guide you safely home into port. Another one dead here. A putrid fever broke out which was dismal and dangerous. What is it, Doctor? Ship fever. This one won't last the night. By good providence, we had a doctor on board, otherwise we must have been in as deplorable a situation as a passage of nine weeks could have rendered How are you feeling, Mr Payne? We buried five, and not above that number escaped the disease. Any better this evening? I suffered dreadfully with the fever. Try to drink a little water. I'm sure you'll feel better in the morning. You won't see landfall, I'll wager. Now... Let's take a look at the captain. I had very little hopes that the captain or myself would live to see America. Death may come and pain will be no more. America unreached I washed up instead upon the stage and shore forever beached Reached descent. His isle inspiring fire unspent. Thank you for listening to Citizen Pain. The voices you heard today belong to Andy Cresswell, Liz Hammond, Beric Livingston, Mark Thomas, and Paul Tibby. Tom Payne's words were all his own, and the script and songs were by Paul Tibby. If you enjoyed the show, please post a rating and review on iTunes, and to find out more about this and future projects from the audio ballads, go to citizenpain.podbean.com. That's citizenpain with an e dot podbean.com. Dot